0: Before the human race harnessed the power of fire, there was only darkness, an inky black foreboding abyss that concealed danger, mystery, and fear. Into that darkness, brave men would not venture, for as the map says, here there be monsters. Good evening and welcome to Here There Be Monsters podcast. I am your captain, Derek Hayes. Tonight I'm going to play a few interviews of gentlemen that have claimed to have shot and killed the elusive Sasquatch. But before we get too far into that, I really enjoy putting the show together each week. Hearing your personal accounts really makes all this hard work worth it. But I have to be honest here. Without a steady flow of calls and listener-submitted stories the show becomes quite difficult to put together week after week. So if you've had an encounter, please give the Here There Be Monsters hotline a call at one 608 night That's 888-608-6444. The call is super simple to make, costs you absolutely nothing, and the hotline is open 24-7. You can even withhold your name if you'd like. Now. If you don't have a personal story, but know someone that does, please persuade that person to call in. Or perhaps you know a story secondhand. As long as you've got the details down pat, I'm open to that as well. I want the show to grow, and your calls help. Okay, enough of that. On with the show. A common question to pop up throughout the field of Bigfoot research is, what will it take to prove their existence? Photos, videos, footprints, audio recordings, scat and hair samples have not been enough to verify that they're actually out there. So what will it take? Many argue that a flesh and blood body is the only way to put the myth to bed, but still others are adamantly anti-kill. So despite a few hoaxes and a few false claims, no one has pulled into their local sporting goods store with one of these babies strapped to the hood of their minivan. So the debate continues. Or does it? Tonight we hear from two men who both claim to have shot, killed, and buried two Sasquatch-like creatures, each decades and thousands of miles apart. Our first story is an interview originally broadcast from Art Bell's Coast to Coast back in 2001. Be warned, some of the descriptions within the interviews are graphic in nature. This is a man who claims he shot, and I believe him, two Bigfoot.
1: He buried them. Bugs, best you can, with the time we've got, tell us.
2: You want it from the beginning? Yes, sir. Okay, I I believe this is either December of 76 or January of 77. Me and a couple buddies of mine, by the name of Bird Dog and Jim, were out hunting. Back in during that period of time, uh, these varmints, cows, bobcats, coons, boy, they bring a lot of money. There was a lot of nights. We'd go out and hunt all night and come home with $2,000. So, uh... This particular night, we uh, were back up north, and we were making our run toward the house, and it's probably four thirty, five o'clock in the morning.
1: And by the way, this is in Texas. Uh, it is in it's Texas. Panhandle of Texas, I guess we identified that. That is correct. That okay, go ahead.
2: Uh, and we were coming down this road, heading south, and we wanted to come down by a creek, which I won't name at this point. And there was a wheat field on the north side of this creek. It ran about it's about a quarter mile wide and about a mile long. And before you got to the creek there was a series of hills of uh, hill you had to go up and over. And you know, we travel about ten, maybe fifteen miles an hour with a spotlights going back and forth looking for eyes. And when we come up over this hill and uh, our lights went down on this on the wheat field we seen a set of eyeballs. So, uh We immediately put the spotlights on it. We drove on down, uh, keeping it in in sight, because at that point, we was probably 350 yards from it. Uh, We drove on down probably another 100, 150 yards, and we were straight almost north of it. And Bird Dog jumped out and come across the cab with his uh, rifle, and he says to me something to the effect, what the heck is that? Well, immediately Jim, he jumped out of the pickup, put his rifle on it, and I put mine on it. And I said, I think it's a bear. Because it was squatted down out there in the middle of the wheat field. And I said, let's kill it. We all three fired at the same time. Uh, it dropped. We jacked another round in the chamber, each one of us, and it got up and took off running. And we fired again, and it dropped again, and it ran and jumped over the fence, went down into the creek. We didn't know what the heck it was at that point. Didn't know if it was a bear or what, because it was running like a human. Uh, we went down and played around, whatever, till it got light enough to where we could see And We went back down to the point where it jumped the fence and went into the creek, and we we could see blood drops. We followed the blood drops up to a plum thicket, and we could hear a growling in there. And Nobody wanted to go into the plum bushes to see what it was. Me being young and dumb and having a .44 Magnum pistol, I decided I'd go into the plum bushes. So I go in there. And I guess I was in all 15, 20, 30 feet, something like that. And uh, I still couldn't see anything. And then all of a sudden, right in front of me, uh, I could see this one creature down on the ground. Another one was sitting there at its head. And it was growling at me. And I had my .44, and it came up like it was coming toward me and I fired once, it staggered, I cocked the hammer again and it come toward me again, or leaned toward, it, it was coming toward me again, I fired again and over backwards it went and hit the ground. And uh, we got him out, looked at him, and Art, it scares me to this day still. That female had breasts on her just like a woman. She had uh, the female organs, the male had the organs the only they were, uh,
1: they were covered with hair uh both.
2: yes they were covered with hair kind of a reddish brown hair solid solid across uh their brow was a little bit higher than a human but they had nose and eyes similar to human their mouths was uh more uh like a prune mouth uh it just it, it scared the hell out of me i'll just be honest with because i thought we'd done killed uh, two deformed human beings. And so me and Bird Dog and Jim, we thought about it for a long time. We decided the best thing to do is to bury them suckers and put them in the ground. So that's what we did.
1: Okay, uh, can you estimate the, uh, how tall were these
2: creatures? I'm going to say the male was probably eight and a half foot, somewhere around that area, and the female was probably, oh, I'm going to say seven foot six to eight. And the male would probably weigh, oh, I'm just guessing the way we had to tug on them, probably 500 pounds. The female weighed probably got four. It. Wow. I mean, they were heavy, Art.
1: Okay, uh so you buried them near this uh, creek, right?
2: Right. In fact, you have a mouth. I, I guess do. you still have the mouth. I, I, I do. I told you if on my death you could reveal it.
1: Yeah, I have got the map.
2: Um But I was listening to your guest tonight. He said they can't be classified as space as a as a human species and that's why I wanted to talk to him. Because if <laughs> he can convince me they are not human, I will reveal that location.
1: Yeah, we, but, we 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 talked to uh I think you had a chance to talk to an attorney, isn't that right?
2: That's correct. And I you, talked to an attorney. Uh, My wife didn't want me doing it because she because the thing about it is the the female breast and the female organs and the male organs and stuff, it was just You know, it it just, you can't understand it unless you can see it. And it's still burned into my brain to this day.
1: What do you think the odds are, uh, Bugs, that you could go back to that location, dig and find uh, remains that could yield uh, DNA?
2: 100%. I know the exact location. And as far as I know, nobody's ever messed around it because uh, there's only three people in the world, well, there's four now, my wife, five, counting you are, that knows the lo- exact location of this. People know it's the Texas Panhandle. They don't know where in the Texas Panhandle, but uh, this particular creek or river or whatever, it runs to the Rockies. And as far as the stink, I never smelt any stink. I smelt a lot of blood uh, during that time. You know, I hear a lot of people talk about how they stink like skunks. Uh, I never smelled that, but I could smell the
0: blood. All I can say to that is, wow. You know, Art went on to interview Bugs a few other times. His story, while elaborated upon, did not seem to change much in detail. There are a few aspects to the story that really pique my interest. For starters, he gave Art a map. Now, sure, you can argue that anyone can draw a map to a make-believe dead Bigfoot, and you'd be right about that. But, why would you do it, then instruct Art to release it only after your death? Bugs won't even be around to see the results of his prank, if that is indeed what this is. Secondly, he claimed to have contacted a lawyer. Now, I can only imagine what that lawyer thought when he took that phone call. But, there's some merit there. Why would you waste time and money contacting a lawyer? And lastly he wanted verification that the animal he shot was a primate and not a human. That really makes it sound like he's concerned for his own legal safety. Now, granted, any good story will have all these tie-ins and throwbacks. Who's to say that this guy just isn't a great yarn spinner and saw a perfect opportunity to get himself on art show? People have done stranger things for less notoriety. I'm going to go ahead and reserve my judgment on this, but that's not going to stop me from enjoying this story. our second story is eerily similar to the previous. The following is Justin Smija's account of what took place in Northern California back in 2010. Here's a portion of a very lengthy interview he had.
3: Yeah, it was uh, October 8th of uh, 2010, and we were going bear hunting um, up up by Golden Lake, uh, Castle Peak area. And, uh, it was just another day, uh, we'd had, we had, we were bear hunting, we were also deer hunting, and we had tags for both of them, but I do not really matter at this point. And we, uh, we had hunt most today, um, un- unproductive, uh, we found one small buck, and, uh, our buddy, he was, he was going to take it, and we talked about it, and we said, you know, it's a young deer. Let's let this one grow up. So we passed on that deer. Uh, then we ended up going into another area. Um, and uh, we're coming around the corner. It's probably 5 o'clock. It's maybe hour, hour and 15 minutes uh, before legal shooting time ended. So, uh, we came around this corner well it's not really a corner it's kind of like an open field but it's a blind corner because you can't see past these trees uh they make kind of a wall that goes along the side of the road and then it all opens up so it opens up on this big field we both look and we see this thing at the same exact time uh chuck stopped uh, i pointed my rifle at it, I at a .25-06, which well, not normally a deer gun, but I feel plenty of bears with it. And um, I could see it through the scope, I had my scope on 16-power, I could see it pretty clearly. Uh, you know, I, I everybody asked me, you know, well, what was going through your head, you know, did you think it was a bear, you know, I thought a lot of things, I, 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 it wasn't that I was a skeptic, it was that I didn't know that anybody believed in Bigfoot at all. Uh, and I saw, I, we saw this creature that was walking on two legs, hairy. And the best way I can describe it is it looked like a person in a suit. Um, and uh, probably three or four seconds had gone by. And it started to walk toward between a hundred and eighty yards, somewhere in there, I don't know exactly. It uh, started to walk towards us. I uh, had his arms in the air like he was waving. I'm almost like, don't shoot, don't shoot. Um, kind of a universal thing. I think any language, anybody raises their hands, trying to surrender, saying no suit. Um, I didn't know what it was. To me, it was just a monster. That's all it really was. I'm looking at this monster. By this time, I have a bullet, my chamber, finger on the trigger, and it's coming towards us, slowly, taking steps, waving, uh, boom. and uh, a lot of people said that I shot it in the back, by the way. So if you have a deer and you shoot it behind the shoulder, then you're going to penetrate both lungs. Uh, on a person, I guess it would, it's just a hard area to describe, but it's basically right under the shoulder, where the, where the lungs are located, but on a bipodal animal. I guess it sounds a lot different when you say I shot it behind the shoulder. Mm. So I'm squeezing off. And maybe five seconds have passed, and my buddy, he says, "Don't shoot! Don't shoot!" It's not a bear. It's not a. Do not shoot. And uh, I'm still kind of. I'm just locked in on this thing. To me, it's a monster. That's all it was. When um, I'm locked in on this, and he knows that the guns getting ready to go off. We've we hunted together a lot over the years. And we do both knew what was gonna happen. Uh, normally when we see something we're road hunting, but we do not cycle feed. Normally when you see something, the truck stops, both of us get out and we got our rifles on it immediately. Both of us. Doesn't matter what side it's on, both of us are gonna get out. Well, my buddy just pulled up his binoculars because we he, he didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to think. And we're looking at this thing. And I'm pretty close to pulling the trigger. I've just been squeezing this whole time. And he's getting louder and louder. He's like, hey, bro, don't shoot. Don't shoot. Dude, that, that is not a bear. That's a person in a suit. That's a person in a suit. Don't shoot. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, if it's a person in a suit, we got a real problem here because they're walking around very, very season with a fur suit on. Something don't add up about this. Halfway thinking in the back of my mind that maybe we're going to pull around the corner and it's going to be like a film crew or something. I don't know. My mind is going a hundred miles an hour. But I see this animal, this furry thing. Um, we're there to hunt. We're there to kill animals. And it was, it was just a monster. So I pulled the trigger, and you could see dust shoot off the side of it. Like, it obviously made a really good hit. Definitely got it in the lungs. And it took off running, and then, just then, we see two, I guess you'd call them kids, um, but, uh, or cubs or something, I don't know. Uh, the big one's almost out of sight. You know I made a good hit on it. And these two come running out, my buddy's like, holy shit, really? There's more of them. And so... We drive the truck into the field as far as we can, maybe 30 yards, and then we take off land. We heard the thing crash, though. It crashed, it sounded like a car wreck. We knew we made a good hit, very typical to shoot a deer, had them run 50, 60, 70 yards, and expire. So, we run out there. My buddy doesn't even grab his gun. I mean, he's just, we're just running, trying to run over to this thing. And the cubs are they go just out of sight, and we run over there, and now we're face-to-face with these kids probably ten yards away or so. And we can't find the big one. So I decided I'm gonna shoot one of the kids. Yeah, my buddy's like, No, do not shoot, do not shoot. Okay, okay, all right. We'll just find the big one and then we'll get it and we'll leave. So we end up looking for fifteen minutes or so. Meanwhile the kids are they're looking for their parent, obviously. They are walking around looking for their parent and we, we were looking in the right area then because I I made the mistake of shooting a sow. And, well, a lot of people have. Uh, we, we tried to shoot boars, but it's legal to shoot a sow. And uh, then the piglets come running out. And they always know right where their mom is. They take you to the body. I mean, the sick, sad thing, whatever. So we knew that it was right there. We just couldn't find it. It's an extremely brushy area. I mean, we could have looked for two weeks and not found it. So we're there's blood on the ground, we're kind of looking at the blood, we're walking around. We split up probably 10 or 15 times. He'd uh, go one way, I'd go the other way, and the kids would do the same thing. They would they walk into the center of uh, the open field, and they'd say something to each other. It sounded like deaf chatter, like they'd go, whoa, whoa, They'd say something to each other, and they split up. And then about a minute later, they'd come back, you know, almost like, hey, have you seen anything? you seen anything No. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> have you seen our parents? So, alright, so did you look up there? Did you look by the tree? Did you look by the stuff? Yeah, I looked by the stuff. Did you look by the tree? Oh, I'll look by the other tree. we like, you know, were saying something like that. So, but they didn't care that we were there. They were not alarmed at all. They were just there. And so, um, maybe 10, 15 minutes goes by herself. Um, and I keep deciding that I'm going to shoot one of the little ones. Like, we'll shoot one of these, throw it in the back, and figure it out. And uh, my buddy's like, No, no, that's terrible, don't do that. There's no reason for that. There's absolutely no reason to do this. So at the time just everything's running through my head pretty well, lost. If we don't get one of the little ones, nobody's ever gonna believe us. It's just gonna be a crazy story. We just need to find the big one and then we need to get out of here. So eventually uh, me and my buddy are, are split up and one of them I'm down this hill and it's almost like straight uphill maybe 15 yards away maybe 20 um, and one of them the, the little one starting to approach me he's getting closer It's getting closer starting to make some noise like the deaf chatter thing he's getting closer and I, I was thinking you know I don't know what's going to happen here, but he's going to get too close. It's way too close for comfort. Screw it. I'm going to shoot. So I shoot. I sh- shoot it directly in the neck. I didn't run much with the skull or the face. And uh, it rolls down the hill and actually uh, it hits my feet, starts bleeding on my boots. still alive. So I pick it up. And I'm sitting there looking at it, and then I'm starting to feel bad, I'm starting to realize, like, well, what have I done, what have I done? And, uh, we went on for a couple minutes, just there's a lot of stuff that happened in there, but to summarize it, make a long story short, it died. And, uh, we decided that we were gonna, well, then, then my buddy walked up, and he's like, what have you done? Oh my, seriously? Really? What have you done? And so, yeah, I well, what? Fine, forget it. You know, forget this. So I throw it on the ground and I start walking off, walking back to the truck. And uh, then I look back and my buddy's holding it, just holding it, sitting there staring at it. So I walk back to him, like, dude, we gotta get out of here. Somebody just heard a shot. You know that somebody's gonna show up fishing game. Somebody, we're gonna get in so much trouble. We're gonna go to jail. We need to get out of here. This is crazy. Let's go. And so we're like, okay, okay, well fine. Let's let's hide this. So we'll we'll come back for it later. We'll we'll just we'll come back. Okay. So we take it in the bush. Get it as deep as we can. Throw a bunch of stuff on top of it. And then we leave. Not saying a word. We actually drove out of there like probably 60 miles an hour on that great road. Just. uh, it doesn't make sense, but we were just afraid that we were going to get caught, we were going to get in trouble, something. So we drove uh, down to Sierraville, which is the closest, uh, closest anything, really. We were just driving home. And we stopped, and both of us quit smoking in, like, the last six months. Gross habit. But uh, we both walk in, get a pack of cigarettes without saying a word. He gets his brand, I get mine. And we drive all the way home without saying a word.
0: While I was researching this interview, I came across a short clip of Justin's friend who was in the truck that day. This interview is part of a documentary called The Sierra Kills. I highly suggest you check it out if you find the subject at all interesting. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. Now here's that segment.
4: I don't have the greatest pair of binoculars, and I had it set up to look quite a bit further than what we had it set up to, but even looking through the binoculars, it didn't look right. It wasn't a bear. I'm not going to say what it was. Besides its appearance, what about its behavior that screamed to you, not a bear? It had human-like behavior. The way it was standing, the way it had its arms up in the air. Bears don't do that Maybe in the circus, I don't know But bears in the wild, they don't do that And bears usually turn around and go the opposite direction They don't go towards you And it was walking towards us Full stride walking towards us So now about 4 or 5 seconds have gone by And he, he's getting tighter on the trigger
0: I'm guessing by the
4: way Oh yeah, he's slowly squeezing getting ready to let go yeah, Absolutely And What are you saying to The whole time it was Don't shoot that's, that's all it was the whole time telling him not to shoot it's not a good idea and this is all yeah, within 5 seconds and then there was no convincing him at that point just as much as there probably would have been no convincing me at that point because he had the rifle if I had the rifle I would have probably done the same thing can you walk me through the next uh, I'm assuming it's about 10 seconds between that point and the point of the trigger being pulled can you walk me through It's that? probably only 12 seconds between the point where we came around the corner and I stopped my car and he pulled the trigger. Like it was 12 seconds the entire time, maybe 10, I don't know. It doesn't take very long. If you wait any longer, you're going to miss the shot. And for us to drive that far and go home with nothing sucks. We do it all the time, but, yeah, and it's almost dark, you, you pull the trigger. You, you make it happen. You don't miss a shot because you're trying to figure it out. So, five seconds in, you know he's, he's pulling the trigger. You pretty much are assuming that. I was surprised he hadn't already pulled the trigger. Like, he doesn't wait that long. Like, so maybe that's where he was realizing something was a little off. I don't know. But it usually doesn't take five seconds for either of us. It's usually a lot faster than that. So, the trigger's pulled and you get the big boom. What happens after that? I am still looking through the binoculars at that point when the trigger gets pulled. I didn't even put it down. I couldn't stop looking. And I saw where he hit it. It was a fantastic shot, and I just remember seeing the way that the ripples in the skin and the body had like a concussion to it because I was staring so intently at it. It was it was intense. It'd be like throwing a baseball in a bowl of jello, the way the body shook when he hit it. It was pretty cool to watch, actually, yeah. which people can say that's f***ed up, I don't care. It was pretty awesome.
0: Now, the driver, who has remained anonymous, seems to verify Justin's story. However, it gets a bit deeper than that. In a 2014 National Geographic documentary entitled Bigfoot, The New Evidence, Brian Sykes, a renowned geneticist and best-selling author, tests DNA from several Sasquatch samples collected from around the world including hide samples provided by Justin, as well as a blood sample found on his boot. In the documentary, Justin claims that when he returned for the bodies that he'd buried, all that remained was one small swatch of hide, the same swatch that he'd later donated to Sykes for analysis. It's safe to say that the results were not what he'd hoped for.
3: It reveals that the lab couldn't find any blood on the boot that Justin insisted the baby Sasquatch had bled onto. I couldn't identify that as, um, as blood or identify as any particular type of blood.
4: Two pretty devastating bits of news. I mean, yeah. look on
3: face. This is a terrible news. This is not good. This, this, this is not good at all. Be honest with us. Is this a hoax? Oh, it's ridiculous. Well, what, what benefit would I have? They you know, I mean, somebody's gonna give me a couple hundred bucks to show up on a TV show? Well, you know, I am not better off. I mean, if anything, I'm less off financially because I spend all my time in the woods looking for big you know. I just, is it a hoax? No. This is tough. This, really, yeah. this is my whole life.
0: Unfortunately, these results punch several holes in his theory. The hide being that of a bear, and the blood being non-existent at all, really make this pill hard to swallow. Why were the bodies not there where he'd left them? Why were parts of a bear carcass found in its place? Where was the blood he claimed to have had spilled on his boot? In a clip from Sykes' documentary, Smeja claims that he has nothing to gain by fabricating his story. But I can't help but notice he pops up Everywhere from Monsters and Mysteries in America to Million Dollar Bigfoot Bounty, all of these are paid appearances. But of course, do your own research and form your own opinions. To close out this evening, I want to end on a somewhat lighter note. Sometimes shooting a Bigfoot isn't all it's cracked up to be.
5: Well, the search for Bigfoot in Rogers County ended last night with a man shot in the back. The victim was taken to the hospital, but three other people were taken into custody.
2: News On 6 reporter Tony Russell spoke with the Rogers County Sheriff's Office about the bizarre
5: details. Tony? Tara, it started at a quick trip when a 911 dispatcher got a call about a shooting victim being brought there. It turns out the person shot claimed to be on a hunt with his buddies looking for Sasquatch.
2: If it had just been factual and upfront and truthful with us uh, and explained that this was truly an accident, as uh, strange as it might sound, we would have went ahead and investigated and probably nobody would have went to jail.
5: Three people were arrested after the shooting Saturday night. The Rogers County Sheriff's Office says two men were out in the woods just north of 177th East Avenue and Tiger Switch Road. They told deputies they were out looking for Bigfoot. Omar Pineda told deputies he heard a barking noise, jerked, and shot his fellow hunter, Joseph Smalley, by accident. Smalley was rushed out of the woods to this quick trip store in Catoosa. When deputies started investigating, they got inconsistent stories. The
2: aggravating part of this whole deal is that uh, their dishonesty uh, wastes several man hours of not only the Rogers County Sheriff's Office, but our partners the Tulsa
5: County Sheriff's Office. It's just up this street where the road dead ends, and dive teams spent much of the day looking for a gun tossed in the pond. James Perry, who owns the land, told deputies he threw the gun in the pond because he was a convicted felon. Perry's daughter, Lacey Pineda, and Lacey's husband, Omar Pineda, were arrested. Perry was arrested for being a felon in possession of a firearm and destruction of evidence. The Pinedas were arrested for obstructing the investigation and careless use of a firearm. Authorities think it was accidental. Have you had Bigfoot sightings in Rogers County before?
2: You know, to our knowledge, no Bigfoot sightings in Rogers County. I think our focus is career criminals and thugs, and we're going to stay focused on that and let somebody else go after Bigfoot.
5: The shooting victim is expected to recover from his injuries, Tara. no, definitely a bizarre story. Thank you very much, Tony.
0: Luckily, it turned out that the victim made a full recovery. Be careful out there, folks. This could have ended very badly for all parties involved. Maybe they should have stuck to some wood knocks. And that does it for this evening's show. I want to thank you all for listening. But before you close out iTunes, please click subscribe and leave a review. It goes a long way toward bringing in new listeners to the show. While you're at it, check us out on both Facebook and Instagram. I've been known to post some cool stuff over there from time to time. Help support the show financially. Head over to Etsy.com and search for The Rag and Bone Emporium. That's N as in Nancy, and not A-N-D. Or, simply head over to the website, www.heartherebemonsterspodcast.com, and follow the links there. And while you're on the site, be sure to check out the show notes for each episode. All the links to tonight's interviews and clips can be found over there. If you like all this cryptid stuff, jump on over to www.cryptopia.us, and follow their blog. Turns out you can also listen to episodes of Here There Be Monsters Podcast over there. So you can kill two birds with one stone. And that's it for tonight. Thanks again for listening, and until next week.